you're tuning in to an episode from Adventure Emerge 2021, the number one entrepreneurship conference for students and researchers worldwide. This episode is brought to you by our event sponsors, Edinburgh Innovations and Vonage. Welcome everyone to this session with uh, Christian Kyle. He's the chief of staff at Astranis. It's a Series C startup building next generation internet satellites to bring the whole world online. They are backed by the most forward-thinking VCs such as Lux Capital and 50 Years. He also has a newsletter, Silicon Valley Outsider, which helps folks outside of the San Francisco area to to join startups and how to crush the jobs. Christian is also a Midwest native, earned his MBA from UC Berkeley, and is a multi-time startup founder. So if you haven't uh, subscribed to the newsletter yet, feel free to do so. Over to you, Christian. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks for hosting. This is a, a perfect event for what I like to do. Really, I one of my big goals in life now that I've been in San Francisco for a little while is helping people outside San Francisco get access to the lessons that I didn't have when I was trying to break in, you know, when I was trying to learn about startups and get to know what this what this whole world is about. So thanks so much for hosting this event and thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you all. I think that there's one big takeaway that I want everyone to have from this session. And so I'll just say it right away. And that takeaway is you can start your startup journey right now, literally right now. Today, you can start it this hour. It's not something that you have to wait for. And that's something that I didn't understand before I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area. I thought that there were so many steps that you had to do before you were allowed to start a startup, before you could do one the right way. But that's not the case. So my personal journey will probably inform why that is, and it'll help you understand one path, at least, to getting to Silicon Valley and getting to these you know, crazy, fast-growing companies that are startups that, you, that you've, you know, presumably, you're pretty interested in. So my journey was that when the very beginning, I thought that I was an ideas guy. Maybe you'd think you were an ideas person yourself. And what that meant was I thought that in order to start a startup, I just had to have a really good idea that if I was smart enough, that if I saw the world in a unique way, if I had the right experiences, if I sat down in a room and wrote down as many startup ideas as I could, eventually I would find one that worked. So that was, the, that was what I thought the, the joy and the trouble and the challenge of entrepreneurship was, was just coming up with a really good enough idea and basically being smart enough. It comes, <laughs> I came to find out that that is far from the end. I, I came up with a couple of good ideas, you know, we had, there were plenty of ways that I was on to something, that I had a good enough idea, that I had an idea that uh, somebody could turn into a startup someday and it could work. And what I figured was that once I had that idea, the goal was then to go raise money, that I would have an idea, I would develop it a little bit, maybe I'll put together a fancy PowerPoint deck, which I was good at because I was a consultant at the time. I would put together that deck and then I would go to Silicon Valley and I would find, go down uh, Sand Hill Road, which is where all the startups are and, or where all the, the VC firms are. And then they would turn me into a startup. They would give me some money. And then after that, I would go actually do the thing. Turns out I had the, the order completely backwards. Um, for a normal Silicon Valley startup, um, you're not just raising money because you have an idea, unless you're a multi-time founder who's, you know, proven that they've done the execution phase before. There's a, so many, there's so many steps that come after, or that, that can come before fundraising. Fundraising doesn't need to be the first thing. And it's a big hurdle to clear. So it's not something you have to do in order to get started at all. Interestingly, I found out that that was not the only assumption of mine that was wrong. Another assumption that was wrong was that I needed to have an idea in the first place. There are so many ways to get involved in the startup and entrepreneurial world without having the next big 
awesome idea. There are many ways to get started in the startup world without even having your own startup. And so that's really what I want to talk about is that, you know, as I learned with myself, I didn't have to have a brilliant idea. I didn't have to be, you know, the next coming of Steve Jobs in order to get started in startups. What I really just needed to do was to plug into the right communities, to find the right people, and to learn more about all the different models that are possible in how to create startups and what startups even really are. So the first point that I want to make, the first big, broad alternative that I want to propose basically to this idea that you have to start your own startup, you have to have the idea, you have to be the CEO. The first big alternative is that maybe you don't even want to start a Silicon Valley type startup in the first place. It's a very specific thing. It's something that not all companies that are new are. In fact, most companies in the world that are created are not Silicon Valley model startups. So what is that? What, is, what does it mean to be a Silicon Valley startup? Well, the first thing is you are a startup that is going to raise venture fund rate, uh, funding. So you're going to go out to VCs. You're going to try to raise money. You're, maybe you're going to go to angel investors as well, that kind of thing. And so in order to appeal to those kinds of investors, you need to have very specific, uh, you have a, a very specific model. And that model is let's maximize the chance that this thing is going to be worth a hundred times more than it's today or a thousand times more or 10,000 times more than when I started it. Now that's, that's not every business, not, not every company that you make has the potential to grow that large. Um, that can be true because, you know, of the profit model. It's just a, we make widgets, we're going to make this thing, we're going to sell it for a dollar more than we than it took us to build. Um, that sort of model doesn't naturally scale sometimes to the, the sort of venture scale that you need at the very end. It also might just be something of your own personal you know, taste or ambition. If you're getting into startups because you want to just have more freedom in your career, if you're getting into startups because you want to, you know, be your own boss, that kind of thing, all those goes are very achievable without trying to become a billionaire. <laughs> There's so many uh, possible outcomes in between where, you know, uh, you're a person working at somebody else's uh, company and you're, you know, a billionaire found startup founder who um, is changing the world. Those are very, very, very different outcomes. And there's so many different things in between. Um, and a lot of those look like startups that are not intended for venture scale. So just any old, you know, any old store. <laughs> Another thing that I really liked is what Nick Huber calls sweaty startups. You can Google him, Nick, N-I-C-K-H-U-B-E-R. And he had this quote that I loved. I'll actually just read it. You ask anybody what entrepreneurship is, and they think of Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Shark Tank. But the real, true entrepreneurs in our society are just opportunists who start something to make a little bit of money. They start scrubbing driveways or painting houses. Now, that's a, that is a model of entrepreneurship. That is a way to be your own boss. That is a way to you know, take control of your career. That doesn't depend on you going and you know, starting Uber. You could just start a car washing company. You know? That is a very real possibility, and it's something that a lot of people do to great success. You don't have to start a startup in the venture, Silicon Valley venture mold. That is one alternative. Another alternative that I think a lot of people in Silicon Valley, you know, take more seriously for whatever it's worth. People in Silicon Valley tend to be a little bit elitist when it comes to the idea of the Silicon Valley startup. It's like, oh, that's the only kind of startup. Everything else is a, a lifestyle business is their uh, euphemism that they like to use. But one that people in Silicon Valley still take very seriously is the idea of a muse. And the concept of a muse business comes first from Tim Ferriss, who you might remember from his book, The 4-Hour Workweek. And then he released a bunch of other 4-Hour books, The 4-Hour Chef, The 4-Hour Body, etc. He has a very famous podcast. And uh, his style of startup called Muse is basically just a, a company in which you put in the least amount of effort and you get the most amount of cash flow in return. 
in his words, he calls it, quote, a low maintenance business that generates significant income. And what that means is that's very different from a, from a startup in the Silicon Valley mold. In the Silicon Valley mold, you're pouring all of your time and energy into this thing. You're scaling it as fast as possible. When you raise that venture money, you then pour it immediately back into the business so that you can grow it faster and faster and faster and faster. And eventually, maybe you achieve that rocket status, right? That's not the case with a muse. With a muse, as soon as you get some cash flow going, if you get $5,000 a month even, something like that, that's it. You did it. You did the goal. Now your job is to get yourself out of it as much as possible so that you know you can spend your time doing whatever else you want to do with your life right? or doing a podcast or uh, sitting outside in the beautiful weather. Uh, so his advice to first timers, for people that are starting these businesses for the first time, is the exact same as my advice and really the reason I wanted to do this talk in the first place. Um, so I'll read his words here. Tim Ferriss says that my advice to first timers is to start today. Commit yourself to your muse by putting the idea out there as fast as possible. I know a lot of folks who read the four hour work week and love to discuss it and the, their ideas, but time moves on and nothing happens. Call a potential business partner and share the tasks. Tell your friends that you're launching a product on X date. Build your test site and get it out there. My partner and I have learned that the fastest way to get something done is to commit to it. You should always have time to perfect the product later. And that is absolutely a million percent true in my experience. And really the, you know, the key takeaway again, which is that you can get started immediately. Right now, you don't have to wait. You don't need more skills. You don't need anybody's permission. You can just get started now. And so I'll actually frame that as a challenge. And this is a challenge to everybody listening. Uh, what would it be like to start literally today with any kind of business? It doesn't have to be Silicon Valley style. It doesn't have to be, you know, you're putting together slides on the perfect business model. that's going to be the hockey stick growth trajectory. What can you do that's a sweaty startup? What can you do that's a muse? That's just a business that's going to generate you some cash flow. And then, you know, you can walk, basically walk away and it'll still run itself. What's a small experiment that you could do today to earn a single dollar? That is the challenge. Um, I've given a version of this talk and I've talked to a lot of students in the United States, mostly, mostly in the Midwest, which is where I come from, very different culturally from Silicon Valley. And the funniest thing is that I've given that challenge so many times, and I think only one person has ever taken me up on that offer. Only one person has really tried to earn that dollar in a day or started their project on the day that you know I challenged them to. I will just say that that person is doing awesome things. They actually started a newsletter themselves. The the advice they were trying to get was how can I how can I be ready? How can I you know prepare myself to do this thing? And my advice, as it is in most cases, is just start immediately, put it out now, launch it to zero subscribers, and see what happens from there. And as far as I can tell, he's released a, a bunch of new editions of this newsletter. He's you know, gone on to have at least hundreds of subscribers, which is really great. And he might even have more subscribers than me on my, on my newsletter now, which is, which is awesome. So yeah, that's the, that's the main takeaway from all of this. I think that I'll quickly say as well, that there are many models to even working within Silicon Valley startups. You don't need to be the person that has the idea, especially if you're a business person, you can just be the person who helps commercialize somebody else's idea. That's super common. That is, a, that is honestly, in my opinion, uh, a better way to get involved as a founder or as a, uh, a startup person is to work with someone else's existing insight. This is particularly true for business people that are early in their careers. I myself tended to have a, a way more confidence than I deserved <laughs> in those early days. But one of the models of Silicon Valley that, or one of the mental models uh, around Silicon Valley founding is that you have to earn a secret in order to start a startup. 
and you're much likely to have done that after you've spent a career in a field or um, you're at the, the forefront of some technology, which, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you haven't done yet if you're a, a young business person. Another model for you joining a startup without, or yeah, for you working in startups without founding a startup yourself is to work at a startup. Actually, I'll post a, a link to another post um, that I made about all the different ways or all the different stages of startup life. Most of the time people think of baby companies when they think of startups, they think of the, the just now founded companies. They think of, you know, we are just now getting off the ground. We're a couple people in a garage working, but that's, there are so many other things that you can, so many other stages of startup life. It's actually interesting. This, the other phase that people know about in startups is the hyper growth phase or, you know, the place where we're hiring like crazy and we're growing like mad. That's a very different phase than the very beginning of a startup when your people working in a garage, you're not hiring all that much before your idea works. So it's interesting. People, people know of the phases, but they don't quite know that they're distinct. And, you know, you can join a pretty stable startup. You can join a startup that has runway for years, a company like Astronis today. You know, we're, we're not fighting for our life daily anymore. It's not like we're going to disappear off the map tomorrow, which is, you know, not what you could have said early in the, my days at Astronis when, you know, we were um, a much smaller team and there's much higher variability. So there's many models of working at a startup. There's many ways to get involved and you don't have to join a crazy risky early stage people in a garage type startup if you want to get involved. The final point I'll make before I turn it over to question and answer is that one of the most important things that you can do if you do want to get involved in startups other than earning a dollar today, which I know from experience that a lot of you will not take up uh, that offer, even though you should. Um, the, the biggest thing that I think you can do is just put yourself in the right community. And by being involved in a, an event like this, you're in a great spot. This is a good place to start. It's a good place to find people that are you know, compatriots that want to do the same sorts of things that you want to do. There are plenty of other groups online. You know, there's tons of ways to get involved through online in Silicon Valley type things now that COVID has happened, honestly. It's, a, it's been a crazy couple of years for us, but it has opened up the world a little bit in terms of, you know, what is available to do online versus what used to just happen in person. So I would recommend strongly that you look at communities like OnDeck. That's a, that's a fellowship that actually, I think that's how I found this. <laughs> and how I found the connection here is through a community of people that are, you know, startup interested and online and, you know, just being good examples for each other. Because I find that people can only really do what they've seen before, or most people can only really do what they've seen before. And so if you want to be something, you should go find examples of people who are already doing it. And then you can emulate as opposed to, you know, having to just innovate out of whole cloth. So I think that's about it. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions that are coming in from the audience, but yeah, just again, key takeaways, start now. You don't need anybody's permission and there's a million different models. You don't have to be some brilliant Steve Jobs in order to get involved in startups. Yeah, thanks, Christina. It was really great talk. And I think it resonated a lot with the audience uh, who are young, young people who want to start out in entrepreneurship and also to, to also consider different models that not everybody has to, to, to found their own style, but there are many ways to actually get involved in entrepreneurship and, and, and sort of contribute to, to uh, the innovation landscape. And we actually have a couple of questions related to what you said. So one person asked how you, you would identify the right startup to join. I think you, you talked about that on your newsletter as well with the, the breakout list, but it would be great if you could um, elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. So 
my biggest piece of advice is don't try to be the world's best startup picker. <laughs> you know, it's tempting to think that like, okay, if I apply the right rules and then I do the right search that I myself will find the next big, huge, awesome startup. I think that's a, uh, it's a common thing to think, but it's a, it's a danger because there are people whose entire jobs are to pick the world's best startups, the ones that are the most likely to break out. And even they aren't that awesome at it. Like uh, uh, venture is very well known for, you know, having really, really big wins, but not having an awesome batting average. Even the best venture funds in the entire world will have, you know, 50% of their companies return greater than one X, but it's just because they have some that return a hundred or a thousand X that they're, that they're so valuable. So yeah, I have a couple pieces of pieces of concrete advice, but the biggest one is like, don't try to do it yourself. You can look at existing. Yeah. You mentioned the breakout list. That's a great one. There are, there are lists out there of people who do this for a living. That's all they do is try to find great startups. So you can search breakout list and you'll find one very good one. Another thing that you can do is work through startups that you know are great. So for example, let's say that your favorite startup in the entire world is Uber for whatever reason. You can go back and you can look at who the investors were in Uber. So you could say, okay, who was the, the very first money that was put in? I think actually Tim Ferriss was an early investor in Uber. Maybe that's not true. But um, so you can go find those people. And then the best part is a lot of these por portfolios of these individual investors are public. So you say, okay, I found this person who was an early investor in Uber. They have now invested early in these other companies that I haven't heard of. And then you can apply to try to join those. That's, a, that's actually the tip that, or something like that, is how I found Astronus. I found Astronus through Twitter <laughs> of all places. But um, yeah, there's a, don't try to do all the work yourself. Just try to find existing people who are, you know, picking startups for a living and at least outsource that part of it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I actually also first came across Astronus actually through the, the portfolio of locks and, and 50 years because VCs that I mm -hmm. kind of like because they obviously fo focus a lot on deep tech and, and sort of global issues and, and also actually came across Astranis uh, right from the from the website. Um, and I guess also in, in terms of joining startups, also many people are kind of focused on these breakout companies because of the sort of financial uh, incentives, like getting equity in a high growth startup obviously is is, but 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 maybe that this is also not necessarily the only thing you might be want, uh, looking for because there's many other things that might uh, have compounding interest in your career like uh, maybe the, the, the skills you learn right they might not be at a company that is a, a unicorn a high growth company but might be one where you actually get involved even in the leadership or in other things oh 100% yeah i mean i would just i would amplify that and say that uh, I've seen this for myself and I've now also seen it for my fiance who recently just joined a startup herself. So if you're wondering if my, uh, you know, <laughs> if I really give this advice, or I'm just like saying this, I really give this because I helped my fiance go through this exact same thing over the past month or so. And which um, startup did she join? Now that she, uh, she just joined a startup called Tempo Automation. They basically, uh, you know, the green computer sheets or whatever, uh, those are called printed circuit boards. She takes those and, or they take those and turn them into printed circuit board assemblies, which is like uh, a PCB is it to a PCBA as crust is to pizza. It's like you put yeah. the topics on. Uh, oh, so, oh, that's really exciting. Uh, very, very cool startup. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's actually been cool to see her join because um, it's reminding me of a lot of the things I take for granted. Like she had never been involved in hiring before. And then on day two of joining her startup, she was immediately, you know, hiring new people to join the company. So it's cool to remember those skills that, yeah, I never done that before Astronis either, but now I've done it like hundreds of times. So you just like forget that it's not an experience that you might've got otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And also somebody asked, um, asked what, what made you join Astronis in the first place? So 
was it the mission or was it a team or uh, what, what were the reasons for you? Yeah. So there's like what I was looking for. And then there's what I found. What I was looking for was a pretty early stage startup. I wanted to be one of the, you know, around 50 employees. I was thinking series A as a good stage because, you know, I wanted the like chaos of the early days, but I didn't want it to be like truly like we don't even have a product yet. So I was looking for a particular stage. I was also looking for uh, startups that were to, having something to do with telecommunications. When I was at Deloitte as a consultant, I worked for AT&T and Sprint and Verizon and all the big US based carriers. And I knew that world fairly well. I knew it better than I knew any other industry. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can find something there. Um, and I mean, that was, those, those are most of the criteria. It was like the stage and the, the place. But then what I found was pretty amazing at, at Astronus, there were so many things that I didn't even realize in the beginning, but ended up being awesome. For instance, there was a huge, there was a very large ratio between the engineering team and the business team. Um, I joined around employee 50. There were 45 engineers and five business people at the time. So that was awesome. That meant I had super high leverage. That meant that I was getting in early. I was becoming one of those, you know, like early type employees that could help set up a bunch of things. And oh my gosh, that was so amazing. I also found a, a telecommunications company in space, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I did not, I was not a space person before, but I quickly had to learn that world and diving in and learning that was extremely, extremely fun. So yeah, I got, I got super lucky. I didn't even know all the reasons that were, that Astronus was going to be great when I joined it. I don't want to take too much credit for that in the beginning when it was really just sort of a, a broad search that I luckily struck gold. And also there's actually another question related to also your background because given that you, you've been both in the found position as also uh, joined a startup, uh, somebody asked, how, how do you actually decide what, uh, you know, what role is the best way? Is it, you know, whether you should join a startup or you should found your own ones and, and what type mm -hmm. of people or personalities really fit these types of roles? Yeah. I mean, it takes a special kind of crazy to be a founder. I learned that myself. I like, um, I think that people underestimate the time aspect of being a founder, like there's the, there's the money part, right? Like you have to be willing to, you know, kind of give up a salary for a while and just live off of, you know, like being ramen profitable and then like hopefully living long enough to become um, like successful. So a lot of people think about it as a, a money decision, but to me, being a founder is really a time thing. It's like, I will dedicate the next 10 years of my life to this idea. That's the kind of conviction you have. And that is crazy. <laughs> like that is, it is so hard uh, to have that kind of conviction for an idea. And you better be really passionate. Like that's, that's what I found is that when I was a founder, I had a, I actually had a really good idea. I will, I will give myself credit for like, you know, sitting down and thinking about the right things and then having a good idea. My, my execution was horrible. That's why it didn't work. Don't, don't tell. The idea was ultimately done. Like there's somebody who is doing that idea successfully in the telecommunications industry today, which is super cool to see. Cause it's like, okay, I was on something, but I just wasn't passionate about it. Like I was not the right founder for that company. Um, People talk about like, you know, product market fit, like, is this the right product for the right customer at the right time or whatever? You can also think of founder startup fit and mine was horrible. <laughs> like, I, I just didn't care. I like, I, I couldn't have cared less. I will, I, I could have cared less, but it was, I, I didn't care enough about that idea and about that piece of technology coming into the world to dedicate 10 years of time to it. Um, so if you want to be a founder, just make sure that you have that passion that you're will, willing to, you know, invest 10 years of time into um, that idea. But I don't know, for a lot of people, I think that most people probably will be best off by joining a startup. 
even though most people think that they should be a founder first, most people are probably likely to be a, a startup employee better than a founder. Um, and the people who are the best founders are the ones who just like hear me say that and are like, I have to prove you wrong. So if that's you, good, go for it. But for everybody else, like just join a, just join a startup. Thank you. That was really incredibly valuable advice. To all the listeners, please make sure you, you sign up to the new set if you want to get more of that advice. And thank you, Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. If folks want to find me, they can find me on Twitter um, at CDKyle, C-D-K-E-I-L, or you just mostly go to Silicon Valley Outsider. You can search that and it'll pop right up or svoutsider.com. I write about stuff like this every week. So if you like this, then I suggest you subscribe.